Hello, Ed, and welcome to the safe Thank place. Thank you, Gav. Thank you so Thanks much for having me, Gav. And there might be a little issue with uh, with overlapping because I'm all the way over in Hungary. Mm. Yeah, it's been it's for for listeners. Ed and I, I've known each other for I'm what? Quite early. Six, seven yeah. years. Yeah, on and off, but that's my fault. In or around that. Um, and Ed, Ed used to be local to me, and is now living over in Hungary with his with his with his wife, and very living a very Absolutely. happy life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not been an easy road, but we managed to get there in the end. Um, I think the most Indeed. important thing is to recognise with people who suffer from, from my point of view, if you suffer from mental health issues, then they're not going to go away. They're always going to pop up every now and again. It's how you deal with them and how you learn how to deal with them. That's the main main crux of the matter. Um, when we were still in the same country, Gav, uh, and we talked quite regularly, we've only just kind of reconnected now, to be honest with you listeners. Um, but while we were in the same country, there was uh, there were, we never really knew what my what my issue was issue. What my problem was, yeah. there were talks of it being depression, um, and then that kind of morphed into when when I was going through really bad times. Then it was thought that I would had uh, bipolar, uh, but then in two thousand and sixteen seventeen, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, which is not a mood disorder; it's an emotional disorder so it's emotion dysregulation and it's actually rooted in uh, the chemistry of the, well, not the chemistry of the brain but the physiology of the brain so um, you've got your logical center at the front of the brain that deals with one plus one equals two and all of that kind of stuff and then at the back you've got your uh, emotional center the amygdala uh, if you were to take a scan of anyone who's got borderline personality disorder, then <coughs> excuse me, this area, the emotion centre would be enlarged, and this centre, the logical centre, would be a little bit smaller, and that kind of manifests in everyday life. Um, if something is triggering, or there's a problem, um, first reaction is always emotion. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, first reaction is always emotion. And then the logical center kicks in. Um, and the logical center kicks in to justify why you felt that emotion. And then when you don't feel validation for that emotion, then it just <laughs> spirals. Spiral. Um, I will add that everyone's BPD is significantly different to everyone else's. Um, so me talking about my experiences with BPD, if there's anyone else out there who's got BPD, you'll probably think I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm speaking about my experience. I'm talking about Ed's BPD. I'm not talking blanket on BPD. So. Well, it's, and it's much like most <clears throat> mental illnesses, but actually if you look at the disability mm-hmm. spectrum, um, because it is a massive spectrum, um, yeah, the, you will struggle to find two people with exactly the same um, uh, kind of real life uh, symptoms, let alone 
a real life experience that that's that's gone about it because that's obviously then what you're surrounded well, with, by as uh, well. with BPD as well to get a diagnosis for BPD there are nine specific markers um nine borderline traits as they call them um and to get a diagnosis you've got to have I think it's either three or four of those traits or exhibit three or four of those traits and each of those traits you could exhibit in your own specifically personal way and then you've got to have four of them out of nine everyone's BPD is different but effectively it all boils down to inability to regulate emotions there's an there's an analogy that I have with BPD and how I experience it I should not have chosen a fizzy drink. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> the analogy is if you're at the seaside and you, you, you've you waded into to your knees and you've got the waves kind of just lapping at your legs very nicely and gently, this is how, I hesitate to use the term, but usual people will experience emotions on a day-to-day basis. Like, um, oh, my God, I've lost my watch. Oh, okay, don't worry. I'll find it. Okay, I found it. Me, at my worst time, meltdown. Um, And then, so the waves, instead of being just a little bit of a lapping, a, a wave every hour, every day could just knock me on my ass. Yeah, just tsunami knock me out, and then I'm fighting for the surface, and I'm drowning in the emotion of the situation without actually um, doing anything other than just trying to fight my way out. Um, Where do you think you first started to to kind of so looking back? I mean, hindsight's wonderful, isn't it? That you can look back across across your life and go, actually, when I was two. (laughs) <laughs> that 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 was the teenage years. Definitely, definitely teenage years. From the age of like um, thirteen or fourteen, um, okay. I, I I hesitate to, to to really say a lot of things because this is quite a public um, platform. But there are things that that happened and people that I could talk about, what I actually won't do because this is such a public platform and. Uh, but yeah, um, it definitely early teenage years, and then going into going into adulthood. And at the time that I I joined the Royal Navy, and I went away to university, and it all just went wrong. That was definitely the first instances of depression, and um, that was I think definitely. Um, the first displays of uh, emotional dysregulation throughout that period of my life. But also, looking back on it as well, I've just kind of come to the conclusion I haven't got a formal diagnosis. I'm self-diagnosed as ADHD as well, Um, which also says a lot about everything with regards to me, disorganisation and, um, yeah. And do you, do you find it easier to have a diagnosis or to, to have an understanding of, of what this is compared to, say, when you were 13 and, and being faced with? Because, I mean, teenage mm-hmm. years are tough anyway, let alone having the 
the kind of additional um, emotional experience that 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 you had um, just just from the, the mental illness perspective mm-hmm. I'm talking about here. So you know whether you were you were bullied or or it was family life, whatever it might be. If you then add all those things in, that's hard enough. But do you think that's made easier by having yes, a diagnosis? 100%. For the main reason that because I wasn't socialising at the same kind of rate as my peers at school or because I felt out of place in social situations, you've seen it yourself with me, how I just get uncomfortable or I go over the top yeah. and go too far the other way and then make inappropriate jokes and make everyone uncomfortable. You've seen it yourself. You know exactly what I'm like in those kind of scenarios. I've got no <laughs> idea what you mean, Ed. Do you not know remember your <laughs> wedding? <laughs> I, uh, do you know what? Funnily enough, I, I don't remember it all that well. Um, but it was a beautiful don't tell day. the wife. It was a beautiful day. Not as good as my wedding. I've got to say that because she's in the other room. Um, but there we go. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, going back towards the plot, um, I use humour to cover up for emotional discomfort. You might have just noticed that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not really socialising at the same kind of level or speed as my peers at, at, at school. Um, it was was quite quite tricky. Um, and I always kind of felt that I was the one to blame, that I was in the wrong. Um, and there were situations yeah, okay. um, and there were situations throughout my life where I have been felt to blame and I have been felt like I was less of a person because of the issues that I was experiencing and that because I was experiencing those issues, I was less human or less of a man now and so i always kind of blamed myself and always internalize everything being pd you kind of hear of people being angry towards outsiders towards partners and so on and so forth i internalize everything um so all of that anger all of that negative emotion that's directed usually outwards during bpd it is actually for me directed inwards because I feel like I deserve it. So all of this, back to your question, would it be easier with a diagnosis sooner? Yes, because then I would have a piece of paper going, it's not me, it's not my fault. I've got something that is causing me to be this way. It is not because I am less of a human, it's because I am ill. And then, I at least have that kind of that shield, Captain America shield, to kind of deflect a lot of the, or even just deflecting ten percent of the internal hatred. Well, it's the additional chain in the in the overall armor that we all have yeah. to a certain extent. But before you, it sounds like what you were experiencing was actually a. A huge gap in that armor um rather than it being whole yeah. and complete and, because, and by having that diagnosis it's it's and, now 
certainly more complete. No, 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 certainly yeah. And that's also situational. I'll get onto that in a minute. But because I had such a gap in my arm when I took things a lot more personally, are we sensitive? He's sensitive. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You need better armour. All the while. But uh, one thing that uh, I just introduced you to my wife, she's uh, she's out there in the moment. Uh, one thing that made me 100% understand that I needed to marry this woman was when she said to me, I don't love you in spite of your illness. I love you because of your illness, because you feel things so much deeper than anyone I've ever met. And because of that, you've got such a great heart. And... I just had to, I just had to go, I got to marry that woman. <laughs> and how long have you been married for now? The 10th of September, not even two months. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really, so really fresh. We've been together for four years. So she, um, the, the, we met through work. Uh, she was working at her office in Budapest and I was working in the UK and we contacted each other while well, I contacted her office every day for, for for things. And then she helped me out with the case, with a difficult case. I had a customer screaming down the phone, high to promotion, difficult. And I said, oh, you've really saved my bacon, Dora. If we're ever in the same country, I'd like to buy you a drink. And she said, in Bath, next month, it's my cousin's wedding. <laughs> so I went down to Bath. Then I was in Budapest the following month in the October. In the December, we made it official. In the March, she decided that she was going to quit her job and move to the UK. She moved in the June, got a job, and then it was COVID. And then we decided, okay, this is a bit serious. We're going to start a family and get married and so on and so forth. And then we uh, we, we moved back to Hungary. And that was amazing. July last year. And and do you see a difference in in relationships since you've understood your own illness? Um, do you think that's changed for the better? I, I would assume, given that you're you're happily married. Yes, I do see uh, a difference uh, in in relationships, in interpersonal relationships, and certainly familiar relationships. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot more. I'm a lot more resilient when it comes to certain people in my uh, in my in my group of relationships. I'm a lot more guarded and shielded, uh, and I'm not quite as open as I used to be, and not quite as um, sensitive as I used to be um, towards certain aspects. Um, yeah. With regards to my relationship with Dora. I do not feel like I have to, I am so comfortable and secure and safe in this relationship that I don't feel like I need to hide anything um, about who I am, about what I feel and about how I feel, as long as I can communicate clearly with it. Yeah. It's if I just get myself in a bad mood for whatever reason, it might be that that mug that I put down there is not where it should be and I'm beating myself up because of that. It, it can be something as simple as that. But as long as I'm able to communicate clearly with Dory, 
then she is more than understanding. Um, but that kind of in in that height of emotion to be able to then communicate clearly really forces the engagement of the logic centre and um, effectively attempts to rewire the old grey gray matter. Um, but she is incredibly yeah. patient, incredibly patient and supportive, and she does understand this better than I do. Um, so I don't feel the need to... How do I put it? I don't feel the need to bury my personality at all because I'm safe in being who I am and how I am in this house because I know I've got her support yeah. and her love and the same with her family as well. It sounds like it's that kind of enviable place really because a lot of people don't have this and not just because they've got some form of mental illness or, or anything just because people just don't have it but that real true place of of tranquil safety is how Absolutely. I would describe it and I feel um, guilty about that because going back to what we said before I, was going to ask. I don't feel like I deserve this um, there's still that internal monologue of me being to blame for everything and there's still an internal monologue of me being horrible and foul and I don't deserve to live and I don't deserve to breathe and all of this um, internal monologue is, never stops um, but it's and then when you look at where I'm sat now and how well I'm doing at work, and I'm married to a beautiful woman who is emotionally caring um, and fun. Compassionate. Yeah, it's, it. it's great, but um, yeah, I feel guilty. Yeah, I do. And do, you, do you think you'll ever, because I know that feeling mm-hmm. very well, um, do you think you'll ever get to a stage where you can put that outside of your realm of thought? So not not necessarily you come to completely accept that you are enough, because that's something I think Absolutely. we all struggle with to a certain extent. But to be able to actually live your life without the guilt being a driver or anything. It's, it's difficult to explain, but I think it, guilt is a negative emotion, obviously. Um, but it does have its place in a situation like this, I believe, in that if I was to wake up one morning and all of a sudden not feel guilty, would I go the other way on the track and start taking everything that I had for granted? And I know that that's not you, Gav, and I'm pretty sure it's not me either. So a little bit of guilt and a little bit of, oh, God, I feel lucky. And, oh, my God, I'm so happy it's you. And, oh, look at this place we've got. We're so lucky. Makes you fight for what you've got and makes you appreciate what you've got and brings you to a more present place in uh, in a romantic relationship, 
I believe, because you work that little bit harder to justify yeah. to yourself. You work that little bit harder to justify to yourself that, yes, I do deserve this. And you work that little bit harder to justify to everyone else that you deserve this because you don't want to lose it because you know what it's like to not have it. It sounds like a form of of kind of compassionate guilt. And what I mean by that is that where guilt can be a really negative mm. force, um, certainly that is that for me, and it drives a lot of my of my experiences with mental illness. Um, but the kind of compassionate guilt is more a understanding that you know all these things are actually positive things, and that they're okay, and that they're good mm-hmm. to have. So whilst you can still feel like you need to work for it, which is mm-hmm. which is a good thing, um, you're also giving yourself the understanding that whilst you might not be able to admit to yourself that you deserve it, because that's a big mm-hmm. leap, I would say, you can at least understand that you don't not deserve yeah, it. Yeah, that does make, does that make sense. Or to, to a position where at least on a couple of days out of five, you break even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three days out of five, you go, oh, God, I feel like a bit of a shit today. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to swear. Or, yeah. Uh, no, you're fine. Two out of five days, you feel like a bit of a shit. But on the other, on one day, you feel, oh, God, I feel so lucky to be alive. What a beautiful day. And then on the other two days, you don't have any emotion either way. I'm still going to call that a win. It's funny that one that that kind of lack of emotion because that's what I experience more a lack than of anything else. It's, it's a lack of emotion. So I experience what I well, I I describe it as a numbness, yeah. and it's it's not a nice numbness. It's a it's a kind of negative numbness for me because actually what that then does is that I don't feel any of the goods at you all. Just feel hollow. Um, don't feel just feel hollow yeah. and empty um, and leads into the thoughts of of suicidal ide- ideation, which is something that I know you yeah. experienced as well. Um, and that that is a really hard place to be. But then equally, I've, I, I've had plenty of the four negative <laughs> days, um, which I also don't like no. and I don't want. It's about that that kind of balance, but I think it also shows how important emotions mm-hmm. are. In that, if you don't have any, and not because you're a, a, a sociopath or a, a psychopath, which obviously is a mm-hmm. specific condition, but because you've got severe depression, which is which is what 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 I mm-hmm. I experience, um, it's it just makes everything pointless experiencing some form of emotion um on a normal scale rather than the kind of waves and almost tsunami yeah. style that you were describing uh, of emotion which yeah that's yeah. that's tough um you kind of need you need a balance Absolutely. of emotion in 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 life um so i i, I kind of look at those numb days which my wife would probably describe as 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 my absent days 
um, because I'm just not there. Would you would you categorise that some uh, as some kind of um, disassociation? Yeah. So I I have a partly formal diagnosis of dissociative disorder. Um, mine tends to rear its head when my physical pain is particularly bad. Put your brain somewhere else to cope with the physical pain. Yeah, that makes sense. So I go off into a really fantasyful land. Um, Hungry. From the outside looking in, um, you'd think I was just not there. I was just... Probably you'd think that I was being lazy is actually probably what, what but most really people think. really me and you both know that you're actually fighting a battle that no one else knows about. Yeah. And and my my kind of place that I go to there is not the the kind of safe place which would be part of my therapy to to kind of try and create a mm-hmm. new place to go to which is a, a place of mental safety. Um, hence the the name for the, the podcast, like safe place. Yeah, um, but this is a is really a world of battle. So it's everything is constantly a battle, and it's. Yeah, very fanciful. There's, there's magic. There's, there's um, wizardry, witchery. Um, there's physical fights, all sorts of things. But it's always you, you, you find yourself in Westeros, then, effectively. Yeah, kind of a mixture of you know the scene in um, the Harry Potter books. Because I refuse to make reference to the rubbish films. <laughs> Um, Bloody the mischief! The library. <laughs> when they're in the library at the uh, at the Ministry of Magic, yeah, yeah, exactly. And everything's kind of crashing down. It's that, but like loads of other stuff thrown. We need to get you writing time. some uh, tabletop RPGs. But, yeah, well, I, I I have started writing a few bits. Well, uh, some, um, something see. you'll be interested in, hopefully, is that uh, through through work, I've actually started a, an Eton tabletop role-playing club. Uh, where, where now I run oh, really? two um, tabletop role-playing adventures for colleagues, and I've got a tabletop uh, role-playing club here in Trongrad, and there's a board gaming society, and there is a possibility of an e popping up as well that I'm going to be involved with. So I'm nerding Very out cool. my eyeballs at the moment as well. And Dora <laughs> is well into it as well. And I'm writing my own book. And I've also started to do stand-up yeah. comedy. So... Yeah, tell me about the stand-up. Well, what happened was a friend of mine in uh, in Chandrad lives also in, in Segek, which is like the game in Oxford. He was getting into stand-up comedy and he sent me a, a, a message to say, do you want to come to an English stand-up comedy night and stand-up in, in the English language in Seget? Yeah, okay. It's kind of something that I've always wanted to get involved in. And he said, ah, we've had some yeah. drop out. <laughs> and I went, yeah, all right, why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? You know, I, I can write something. I've got a unique take on what Hungarian culture's like. Let's let's stand on the stage yeah. for five minutes and take the piss. And how did it go? And the second time was, uh, yeah, I did well. And then the third time was the first time I did 10 minutes. 
um, but a couple of my jokes fell flat, and I'm doing it again next week, next Thursday, another 10-minute slot. Okay. Uh, I haven't written anything yet. <laughs> I think I'm going to talk about my uh, about how we moved from the UK to Hungary, because that is a that is a that is a story. <laughs> story in 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 the dramatic sense or hopefully it's the quite amusing, amusing. Sense, it's, quite amusing music. it's one of those yeah don't worry it'll be okay we bought a <laughs> we bought a, a 12 year old caravan five birth caravan and decided to tow it across europe after loading it up with all of my worldly belongings um but i needed to take a test in order to get a towing license and yeah. two months before my, I was due to take my test, I broke both my elbows. <laughs> Crikey. How? how I, I tripped over <laughs> something and I went straight arms like that. And and they just went. And just, just big blood blisters on my biceps there. And when you break something, I know you've been in this situation. When you break something, the two phrases yeah. that you do not want to hear are, "We can't cast, we can't put a cast on this. You need to keep it moving." And I was like, mm-hmm. every day, just. <laughs> and how's it healed up? Yeah, is, it, okay. is it all right? If I if I over it, the left, the, the one on the left was the worst because I had a, a previous break okay. that healed incorrectly because uh, it was never diagnosed thanks um right but yeah i, I get the odd twinge in that if i'm lifting or pumping stuff too too much and obviously you got there in the caravan yeah, by the by the skin of my teeth because <laughs> i've was any of your stuff actually uh still yeah, usable after wasn't. No, because it's it's only supposed to carry about seven hundred and fifty kilos. I would guess how much you put in it, Gav. Yeah, about that. Two ton. So <laughs> now the chassis is like that. <laughs> we couldn't sleep in it, so I had to sleep on the way in the car, and I've got sleep apnea as well. Yeah. So I couldn't have my mask on, so I ended up. Getting about twenty minutes sleep at a time in in French. Oh god, it was, it was a nightmare. You'll have to watch the standard when it's done. But it's it's, it's really really is a comedy of errors. <laughs> yeah, break, breaking both your elbows is no. not a good start. And then I failed my first test as well. <laughs> So I was driving an overloaded caravan from Bromsgrove to Hungary over five days post-Brexit in the middle of a pandemic. You've already chose the time for it, didn't you? Yeah, time not the present. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And and since moving over to Hungary, I... How's the the kind of access to therapies and to medication oh, and, and, and everything been? Um, my wife's yeah. mother works in healthcare, and my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, has bipolar. 
So uh, okay. the support structure I have here is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And we've just got two cats as well. So they're like little walking bolts of serotonin. <laughs> <laughs> and are you still are you still speaking to therapists? Are you still going through therapy? Or is that done with now that you're kind of you know what I've got the, the trick I've is? Got the tricks. Um I'm I haven't had an episode. I haven't had a a, a deep um, episode where I was at serious risk for yeah ten months. Wow. I've had I've had episodes That's where it. I've got to stop. I've got to walk away. I've got to calm down. Um, I've had episodes where Dora's got to walk away, calm down. Um, but then we're able yeah. to communicate through it. Um, we, we've learned a lot uh, from each other. Um, and we are the, both the better for it. Um, and ten, 10 months is a, is a significant period is, yeah. of time, with, particularly with borderline personality. It is. I mean, uh, for those who are saying something else about BPD, um, BPD is a lot like bipolar in that you've got your... Your massive highs and your deep lows. Yeah. Uh, sorry, bipolar. They both begin with a B. That's tricky. Oh. And they're often misdiagnosed. Uh, absolutely. As well. So well, bipolar um, it usually operates on like a week or a month or so on and so forth. Yeah. BPD happens in an hour. So yeah. I could be absolutely internally self-hatred, rage-filled. And then in like half an hour, I'll be like, yay, let's go and play on bikes. It's just, it's exhausting, man. (laughs) You don't think what it's like being married to this. And I've got to live in it. (laughs) See, you you bring up an interesting thing there because I think a lot of people look at mental illness or physical illness as just something that oh well it happens and you have that experience and that's it whereas the exhaustion from actually trying to survive to be honest um be it whichever end of the spectrum that you're you're kind of on at that given time that is extremely tiring also people don't realize as well um i didn't realize as well that physical pain and emotional pain are equally as damaging. Mm. And it's often something that's seriously overlooked, is that emotional pain is not given the not given the respect it deserves. Yeah. Well, and, and still um, very misunderstood. Yeah. And also subjective. So I, I don't. Yeah, and it's yeah. If you're if you're someone that so me as as someone that's that's got recurrent depressive disorder and a few other associated things compared to you mm-hmm. with BPD, I, we could we could try and and say well I understand what you're going through, but the reality is even with two conditions that are in the same general yeah. ballpark. Absolutely, we don't because even within your own condition and mine, 
you could speak to somebody else and actually they've got an entirely different experience. Different perspective as well. Yeah. As you were saying at the start. Um, and and that that doesn't help with the understanding. No, because you could have someone that's had as uh, uh, to you as your your wider family dynamics. So your wife's um, yeah. brother was it that's got bipolar. So that's that's one experience that could then mould what you expect from every other person that you meet that's mm-hmm. that's got bipolar. So that you then subconsciously, because I don't think many people do it consciously you have this image in your head of what that should be um that person should be like and should be behaving like and what you should be trying to identify which is great but it could be completely the opposite to what that person's actually experiencing and that yeah, is very you difficult could take, to, to understand you could take the average in. man and no man on the planet would be like it yeah Nobody is the same. And it'd be boring if we were, wouldn't it, Gavin? (laughs) I certainly wouldn't be married to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Be an interesting interesting dynamic, that one. And we both enjoy it, so it'd be great. (laughs) That's a very dark joke there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It is. And and are you... Are you kind of permanently then on on medication for your BPD? BPD can't be medicated, um, sadly. Can't be medicated medicated. because it's not brain chemistry disorder. It's uh, it's yeah. (laughs) I hate the term because it it sounds like I've got. It's a personality disorder and it's a mood dysregulation disorder. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, that makes me uh, every time I have to admit that it upsets me for some reason. um, yeah, but it's a personality disorder, so it's not brain chemistry. So it's not how you how your brain works. It's all based on nurture, not on nature. Yeah, I mean, same as ADHD. I think it, it, it's an interest. Yeah, well, and, and to a, to a certain extent, the same as the vast majority of mental illnesses. Um, so depression is a, is an interesting one. Um, there is, there is evidence that there are some people that have a brain chemistry that drives, mm-hmm. um, imbalances, which then means that they, they become yeah. depressed, but actually, I mean, there's some very differing figures, but you know what I was looking at fairly recently was suggesting that that was about five to ten percent of people with depression. There are other people that would say, "No, it's not. It's it's ninety percent." So there are big, big. Um, so there's a big old war going on in the psychological community. Yeah, and and much between the kind of psychological and psych psychiatrics obviously psychiatric Mm -hmm. is the medical side of it rather than um the psychological being the the psyche the 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 kind of mental um and the emotional side of it um but i i remember reading uh, a really good book called lost connections 
um, which is a book that I recommend to anybody that that doesn't understand depression mainly because it's written from that kind of <clears throat> side of things. And basically, it goes on the journey of of kind of all the things that aren't in place for that individual that mean that you are more likely to experience depression. So there is there is some evidence that suggests that uh, if you have identical twins, that if one has it, then the other one's got so around I think a thirty six percent chance of then experiencing mm-hmm. depression. Um. But that's a fairly big chance of not experiencing it as well. So then to the to the nurture point, I think actually if we start to look at that, so what kind of uh, relationships are you able to have? Are those fulfilling? What what kind of um, experiences do you have of of the outside world? And is that fulfilling for you? And work is that for you? Know, you kind of add all these things in. And if you can't kind of tick that you are being fulfilled by by these different different things, then it doesn't mean that you will become but depressed, great, but it increases the chances. Off. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I've always found that really interesting. So I'm just going through a phase at the moment where I'm trying to basically get rid of... Um, <laughs> the ridiculous amounts of medication that I've been on for the last year or so. Um, and, you know, I, I will probably need to be on some to manage pain generally more than anything else. And actually one of the ones is, is a bit of a twofer in that it's, it's a um, antidepressive as well as um, a, a painkiller. A, uh, a nerve is that pain. No, it's uh, Duloxetine. Oh, yeah, I was on that for a bit. Um, Similar sort of family. I take take Citalopram every day, and that just takes the edge off. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It takes the edge off. I've got to move my computer in a minute because I've got some kind of work dropping in a minute, so. No worries. Well, I think what we'll do, because I'm conscious that you've got a call well, it's, fairly it, it, shortly. It's, we've got a, a central telephone system, and we are routed in at specific times to then make sure that we can field the incoming calls. And it's it's my yeah. shift to close on a Friday afternoon, um, so I might get zero calls. I might get like two calls, but uh, I've got to be logged on the system. That's literally it. Yeah. Well. It's been an interesting talk, Ed, as yeah. I knew it would be. Um, in hearing about your experiences, um, and particularly that you're now in a place where, whilst your BPD hasn't been solved, or never will be, or it never cured, will be. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay um, for everyone out there. Yeah, it, your issues might never go away, but that's okay. How you deal with them should get better with time it's never dark for long and then the sun rises it's all all about getting the right tools in place um to actually allow yourself to get out of those dark places spoke over you then my apologies no no you're fine um so i was just saying that it's all about um 
allowing yourself to get out of those mm-hmm. darker places or extreme highs. So, so if you think about bipolar, yeah, it equally can be detrimental. Yeah. Um, but it's all about knowing how to get back to the to a more. I hate the word normal. Even keel, if you want to go from <laughs> an old yeah, naval term. Yeah. yeah. Get that, back that's on a nice even keel. Of, of, yeah. You're still yeah, floating like along. That. You've still got the emotion, um, but you're not. <laughs> yeah. You're not being over. Chucked chuck, yeah. off the ship. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So, Ed, I always finish up just um, yes. asking two questions. So the first one, and I think it's a, a particularly interesting one for 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 you. Um, thinking back to your younger years, specifically five year old, because I've got mm-hmm. a five year old son. What sort of advice would you give to yourself um, if you were able to? It's okay to not be okay. And uh, the other yeah. thing that I would say is, some people will try to judge a fish for its ability to climb a tree. Those people are idiots. Yeah. Sound advice, Ed, I think, for, for everybody to, oh, to listen don't, to. Don't yuck anyone else's um, young. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should be making uh, making posters for these, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other one is, is, a, is a much easier one in many ways but um think yeah. about dinner party i'm i'm oh God, no thanks so <laughs> you can you can have the the world famous of anything because yeah obviously <laughs> exceptional um what what would you have for your meal but also there's four seats who fills them um four seats yeah i'm i'm assuming that there are four seats other than, in addition, in addition to me, you, yeah. my wife, and your wife, and your kid. Okay. Yeah. Four seats yeah. um, would be um, Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, love that. Extremely funny man, great conversationist, but also a uh, sufferer of bipolar. Um, that same vein of yeah. Stephen Fry. Um, mm. I would have my, I'd have my auntie Liz there because, um, okay. she's in love with Stephen Fry and, and she always says, it's a waste. It's a waste. <laughs> and who else would I have there? Um, so I'm answering these questions and all I can think of, um, is no disrespect to anyone that I didn't pick. Um, I would have my, I'd have my great grand there, and I have my great nan, who was yeah. 113 years old when she died, um, and she wow. was blind, she was deaf, but she could make herself understood, and she has stories for days. If I could have her there, so that she could understand everything, like a, yeah, 10 or 20 years before she eventually sadly died then in that company i think we'd have a great evening mm. i particularly love the robin williams he's one of my one of my yeah, all-time yeah. favorites i mean i was going to fill it up with comedians but we all know that i'm the best so 
<laughs> Robert, Robin yes, takes that yes, title. Of course, ahead. He does. Of course he does. Right. <laughs> cool. No Thank worries. you so much, mate. Um, I'll send you away with uh, with love, compassion, and uh, and you and too, mate. Buddy. And take care of yourself. And uh, yeah, we're just you know where I am. Yeah. Oh. Thank you, mate. Well, thank you, friends. That's all we've got time for today. I'm sure you have enjoyed uh, today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you rate uh, the episode and the show's five stars on whatever platform you might be listening on. And of course, please share your own stories and your own um, kind of thoughts and feelings of the episodes in the reviews. You can also find me on I am Gavin Clark and that's Clark with an E over on Instagram and you can search for the safe place uh, on there too it's a safe place podcast but for now I'll send you away with love kindness and compassion speak soon <laughs>